let me encourage you to stay in there, to stay in that situation, to stay in that trial and change your prayer. Change your prayer to God. Give me a revelation of you that I've, or an attribute of you that I've yet to understand or see in my life. I know that you're gonna teach me something through this and I'm gonna come out for the better and knowing you better through this. Welcome to Refuge Podcast a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Let's turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 13. Yeah? So the book of Psalms, it's considered one of the poetic books, right, in the Bible, right? There's historical, poetic, um, you know, when you get into um, the accounts of Jesus, it's the Gospels, you know, Paul and the Pauline epistles, a lot of um, instructional books, right? Um, deep, heavy theory, um, you know, uh, of, of like, you know, that you can dive in in Romans and all these other books. But the Psalms, um, it's easy to forget that the Psalms are songs, right? Like, I was, I was, as I was studying, I was just like, man, and I'm a musician, and it's easy to forget that the Psalms are songs. These were songs that were sung. Um, there are songs of joy, songs of victory, songs of despair, depression, right? I mean, it's all there. Um, I love the Psalms because the Psalms are so transparent, I've, I really feel personally, um, if I'm ministering to somebody or I'm getting to know somebody, like, I want that person to be transparent, right? Like, you don't want that person to have a front, you know, and like, hey, I got it all going on, Woo-hoo. and then when I go home, I'm like, oh, Lord, what's going on in my life? You know, I couldn't pay for gas today. You know, she didn't look at me. You know, it's just like, it's weird, you know, it's like, in the Psalms, you really have, like, true transparency in the book of the Psalms. And that's why I love the Psalms, because it just, it, it mirrors the Christian life, right? Like, it mirrors our lives. Like, we see the psalmist or the psalm, you know, um, the, the, the song master or the choir master, you know, as the, or it could be David or Asaph. Um, I mean, they're going through it, and they're being real with it. And so there's, there's, a, there's a realism to the Psalms of, you know, what it is like to be one who is under God's care, but hey man, like life is life. There, there's a reality of living in a fallen world. And a lot of that time in the Psalms, like that comes out and you get to see that. You get to see the man who God says um, is a man after his own heart, David, go through these struggles, right? He wasn't the, he wasn't the most perfect guy. Um, you know, he had his, he had his, his, his follies. He had his share of failures. He also had a share of victories. And I just think, and I appreciate that because in my life as a believer, um, it's, it's not a cakewalk and there are going to be seasons where there's a lot of highs and there's going to be seasons where there's a lot of lows and the Psalms to me, I could relate to that, right? Anybody, anybody else? Can you relate to those when you read through the Psalms, right? All right, you don't have to raise your hand for a pity, pity raise. I don't need your pity. <laughs> but, I mean, it's truth, right? Like, there it is. Like, 
there are psalms like, yeah, I praise God for who you are, Lord. You are the king of all kings, the conquering king, my victor. Next psalm, oh, Lord, I'm in the deepest pit of despair. Help me, Father. You know, it's like, that, that's how it is. Like, you, you, you think the person is crazy because one day they're this way and the next way they're that way. But, hey, but in all honesty, like, isn't that how life is, Right? Isn't that how life is? And so the thing that we're going to be trying to do this evening is trying to mine out balance, trying to mine out balance. And I can just tell you right now that balance comes in the form of Jesus. Yeah. Cool. So let's go to chapter 13 of the Psalms. All right. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV um, because I think I'm special. Um, <laughs> actually it was because <laughs> it was because it had the best font. I'm, I'm half blind. I'm blind in one eye. Um, I was actually blind in both eyes for three years. I lost my vision and then God miraculously healed my left eye. Um, back when I was in college. Yeah. Long story. God is good. So <laughs> I chose an ESV Bible, like how many years ago, more than a handful of years ago, because I could actually see the font. I was like, that's the one. <laughs> All right. Psalm 13. Let's go. So, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Verse 3, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Verse six, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Wow. So, I mean, he doesn't mess around. And this is a Psalm of David, right? We could see that David is in some kind of um, situation of despair and peril. And, and even by the looks of it, as we're reading in, in verse three, it might even be a physical affliction that he's dealing with. But check this out. He's in the middle of this despair, right? And peril. And what is the first thing that he does? Who does he go to? Who does he, who does he inquire of or ask of? Does he, does he call up the homies? right? <laughs> does, he, does he go to Google <laughs> or Wiki? <laughs> you know, a lot of the people that like to, um, <laughs> you know, kind of just like, hey, I need that answer. Like, no, like he doesn't go to anyone else, but he, he comes to God and he's real. He's real with God, you know, and he's asking, God, how long, how long will you forget me forever, right? So this is, this is an individual lament for circumstances where, David, or the worshiper, is on the verge of despair, right? He, he is just depleted. He is, he is done. Um, or as I, I like to say, um, if you work on staff here on Tuesdays, I'm cooked, right? <laughs> I'm cooked. Um, that's slang for all you young people. Yeah, I'm cooked. All right. <laughs> so he says, how long? You know, and says, have you ever been in a situation where you ask God to intervene or move upon your behalf to be stuck in that situation and feel like, you know, you've been there forever, that God doesn't hear you or isn't answering your cry or plea. Anybody been there? Come on, somebody testify. I know we've all been there, right? You can be, you don't have to lie. You could be, you could raise your hands, guys. 
It's okay. We can be transparent, right? We're being transparent here. So in this psalm, we see that David is in the situation of despair. However, on the side of the cross and the gift that we have of God's word, right? We actually have the ability to read what he was going through and we know like ultimately, you know, where he ends up and who the conquering king is and our Messiah, Jesus, right? He didn't have that luxury. He didn't have that luxury, but he came to God in faith. He came to God with questions. You know, he poured out his heart towards the Lord. Guys, there's something that as I was reading and I was writing through these Psalms, something that I was realizing, um, and this is something that I've been trying to pray through and work through with my wife, is just spiritual disciplines, right? Spiritual habits. This is a spiritual habit that we need to we need to lock down. I just feel like the church, we don't do this much. And it's like when we when we get to those moments like where we start to feel the pressure of the world against us, like let's just go to God right? Let's bring our questions to God. Let's, let's, let's uh, bring our supplications to God. Let's, let's bring the stress to God and let's give it to him, right? And let's trust in him. Like, let's, let's give him those things and let's trust in him. Like, those are spiritual habits that we can develop. You can do that already. You don't have to pay for it. You don't need to order it on Amazon. Like, it's within you. You can do it. Like, and these are, these are habits that I truly believe if the believer nowadays, like if we were doing this, we wouldn't be in a lot of mess or um, just stress or be as anxious as we are. Like we, we would give these things and just trust God, just choose to trust God. That is a spiritual habit um, and a discipline that we should as believers be exercising, right? If you don't exercise those muscles, they atrophy, Hello, like, <laughs> woo! <-hoo. laughs> it's like if you don't exercise those things, it you know it'll atrophy or grow in in the in the bad way. So these are things that we want to do. We want to constantly do. When you wake up in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, you know, first thing I do when I get to my car and I'm pulling out of the garage, it's like, all right, Lord, like here's what I'm stressed out about today. Like I'm just gonna trust you to take 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 these things or like lead me through this day like allow him just give that already to him right build that um build that habit of giving that to god yeah all right so on the other side of that like we see that he's you know he has this he has this problem he has this situation you know and as i as i mentioned before like we are lucky because we have the word of god we could read through it we weren't going through it with him right like we know like hey man like there's brighter things ahead of you um and that's something that's something that we need to we need to guard against and and you know feelings emotions those are things that we should guard against right when we have like such strong feelings and the feelings they create their own reality right? So, man, if I, if I start to stress out and just like, oh, I'm just worried, it starts to create like its own reality. Um, and, and you're just kind of stuck in this weird like stress bubble or, or anxiety bubble, right? Or fear bubble or worry bubble. And it continues to grow and grow the more you feed and the more, the more you feed it, right? And the more you think about it. So those are things that we have to guard against. There needs to be a healthy balance, guys, in life, when it comes to feelings, we don't simply ignore our feelings and think they have nothing to do with God. And on the other side, 
we don't think that, um, we don't live our lives ruled by our feelings, right? So feelings are not bad or evil. In fact, we know that we are made in the image of God and it was he that gave us these feelings as an expression of his image within us, right? We're made in the image of God. So he's given us these feelings. They're not a bad thing. So in a sense, you could say that when we feel anger, when we feel love, when we feel feel care or sorrow or the many other feelings that we have, because God feels those feelings himself, right? Feelings are a gift from God and a sign that we are made in his image. How cool is that? Right? He gave us these things, right? So when it comes to feelings and keeping our feelings, our emotions in check when we're in these times of trouble, um, you know, a simple rule I like to live by is a rule that, um, you know, for the past 11 years, um, you know, Pastor John has drilled inside of me. Um, and that is that we don't trade what we know for what we don't know, right? So here David thinks that he is alone. He's been abandoned by God, right? God doesn't hear him. God feels distant. Um, why is he not answering me? Bless you. No worries. Um, but we know that that's contrary to what the Bible tells us, right? What does the Bible tell us? That he will never leave or that he'll never abandon us, right? That he'll be with us till the end of, yeah. Like he's gonna be with us. Like he's there with us. So this is how we keep our feelings. This is how we keep these things in check. We, we, don't, we don't trade what we know for what we don't know, right? So we know that God has promised these things. We know that God has promised to never leave, to never forsake. Um, so when we feel that God is distant or doesn't want anything to do with us, you know, that's just a lie from the enemy. And guys, there's also times and seasons where God allows these things to happen and he allows himself to be distant. Um, you know, I was thinking about this um, the other day, I remember I was looking at a picture with my brother and, uh, you know, we're, we're all a lot older now, 42, I'm 42, my, bro- my sister's 39, my brother's 36, and I remember being a kid and helping my brother learn how to ride a bike, right? And I remember when you start out, you know, you, you start out with the training wheels and you're going, um, man, I have bad posture, sorry. <laughs> Bird walk, um, <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> you start off, you know, with training wheels and then, you know, you're helping them along and then you take off the training wheels and, you know, you're kind of holding the wheel, you you know, you're holding the handlebars and you're helping them along, you know, and you're kind of getting that speed. And the next thing you know, like you're eventually going to have to let go, right? Because if you don't let go, then that's going to be a detriment to him. Like, it, I'm just like, I'm just going to hold him down and he's going to end up like crashing and bailing into something, right? But... If I, you know, by letting go, I'm allowing him to kind of grow, right? And learn through that process, right? Training wheels, like together. Hey, we're here. Boom, I got your support. Like, let's go. And then there has to come a time where it's like, hey, you got to fly by yourself. And that's similar to what is happening here, I believe. I believe that God is taking his hand off the bike, right? Imagine just the history that David has had with God from his, from his youth to his adult life, right? Like, this is a man after God's heart. This is a man who, 
spent time in the fields, you know, just praying and singing and communing with God. He had this solid relationship with the Lord. And God, you know, has brought him through all these things, you know. And now there's a time where, hey, like, I'm going to have to let go because you're going to need to learn how to fly by yourself because that's where the that's where our faith and our walk, our faith journey and our walk, like that's where the rubber meets the road type of stuff happens, right? That's, that's, the, that's the refining and the working out of our faith, like truly like working out what we believe and us, and us walking that out, not just saying things, not just, oh, like I have all these verses memorized, you know, and then, but when, when the storm or trial hits, it's just like, oh, that's out the window, right? Like, no, this is like rubber meets the road stuff. And so there are times that, hey, you might be in a season where, you know, you feel like God has been distant or you're not hearing from him um, or he's not answering you. Remember what the word says, right? And maybe this is a season where he's refining you. Like he's, he's leveling you up. Right, we're going we're going to another level of spiritual maturity. And I want to encourage you guys this evening. If, th- if that's a season where you're at, you know, go to God. Remember those 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 habits, those disciplines that we were talking about? Just go to him, seek him. He, it says in his word, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. But remember, don't trade what we know for what we don't know. Right? Amen? Somebody? Cool. All right. I have no idea what time it is. Okay, it's 17. All right, it's right there. There's a clock right there. That's a clock. I don't read ancient um, tools, instruments. Just kidding. (laughs) All right. So we're going to go on to the next Psalms, right? I'm going to kind of, we could spend a lot of time. Guys, the Psalms, they're great. Like, I encourage you in your time of um, just studying and seeking the Lord and, and the, you know, in the privacy of your, of your, you know, your room or your whatever, like, you can really go deep. There's a lot to mine out here. Um, but, m- again, my heart is to just be able to touch and go on some things and not put you guys to sleep. So, moving on. So, we're going to hit Psalms 14 and 15. And I'm going to preface this really quick. Um, how many of you guys are still in school? Raise your hand. Should be like a good chunk of you, right? Yeah, Okay. Do you remember those assignments? Compare and contrast? Yeah. Oh, boo. <laughs> At one point in my life, I thought I was going to be an English minor. No way. <laughs> so the next, the next two chapters, chapter 14 and chapters 15, we're going to compare and contrast, right? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see two different types of characteristics of people. One in 14, which is the ungodly, right? Those who have um, rejected God or, or reject God. Um, and then 15, those who have surrendered their lives and given their lives to God, right? So we're going to kind of compare and contrast. So let's go ahead and read through 14. It says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds. Try saying that fast three times. <laughs> They're corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. 
They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. There they are in great terror. For God is with the generation of the righteous. Amen. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. So here's another Psalm of David, right? Um, I love these. I love these Psalms. And remember, like these are songs, right? These are songs. And here he is. He's talking about the unrighteous, the ungodly, and then he takes a jab at them, right? Isn't that funny? This is like ancient diss tracks. Like, <laughs> there are other Psalms. It's like, Lord, just crush my enemies, you know, send down lightning, you know, like, you know, break their teeth. Like, it, this is like ancient diss tracks. This is cool. Like, I, I have a lot of humor when I read through the Psalms. And this is great because it's all over. And it's biblical. Hey. So, anyways, here we go. So, here here we got uh, uh, a list of, you know, the um, characteristics of the ungodly, right? The unrighteous. Like the whole thought of this chapter, basically, if you could summarize it up, it's the safety of the god godliness and the peril of the ungodliness, right? The safety of the godly and the peril of the ungodliness. So that's what he's getting to here. You know, and he listed all those characteristics, you know, characteristics of those who deny God as the Lord and Savior of their lives. Um, you know, and it, it talks about doing pretty messed up things here, <laughs> right? But it says that God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So even though it seems like the ungodly are, you know, they're getting their fair share and they're just cruising, like God sees it all. He sees it all. He knows it all, Right? The spirit is the discerner of the heart of man, right? And so there we have that declaration, right? There's a declaration. Like here the the declaration that man makes that there is no God. Um, it's like that's the declaration of a fool, right? So right off the bat we see that mankind is personified, right, into one man and personified into an individual who is a fool, now, the foolishness that is presented here, it's not the absence of intellectual capability, but it's more of the presence of moral perversity, right? It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not an intellectual, like, there is no God. It's more of like a moral um, perversity. And in the Bible, when you're, when you're reading through, like, the Psalms, or you're reading through the Proverbs, um, when it uses that word fool, um, and that, that word, that Hebrew word is nabal, like that's usually what it means. Um, it's, it's, it implies an aggressive perversity. It's not that man is lacking in the ability to reason, but he has abused his ability to reason. So that's who the fool is, right? And the arena where the man makes this declaration, it says here, was in his heart, Right? So now we see, like, where that stems from. It stems from the heart, right? Um, 
Sorry, I'm lost on my notes here. Haha, found you. <laughs> so, there's a definite difference that we're going to see from the person, the ungodly, right, the wicked in this chapter than the person who has given their life to God, right, and is walking um, with the Lord. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a difference in the moral behavior of those types of people. And you see that, right? It doesn't take a genius to wake up today in today's world and realize, you know, how true this is and that this is reality. Like, we're seeing that. There, there's a difference between God's people, the church, and the world, right? You're seeing it. It's all unfolding in front of us, and it's just going to get worse and worse and more wicked. Um, good is being called evil, and evil is being called good. Um, we're seeing it every day. Um, and just seeing how, like, dramatically and diametrically opposed the world is to God and to his word. Um, but in verse 6 and 5, you know, David sets everything straight and lays it out to the evildoers, right? Let's look what that says. It says, They are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous, and you would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. So even though things seem to be going well for the evildoers, you know, for the, for the wicked, for the ungodly, ultimately, like he's saying, hey, like these people, um, they're not going to win that battle. They think that they could fight this battle against God and win, but ultimately it ends in failure for them, right? Are you feeling depleted <laughs> tonight from the battle? Are you feeling weak? Um, you know, being a person who is standing up for Christ, getting beat up in your, not physically, maybe physically, um, figuratively, in your workspaces, at school, like we're seeing it. Um, I think those last two verses really encourage my heart because God is our refuge, right? And he's our strength and he's going to fight that battle for us. So God is present, guys. God is our refuge, and God is our salvation. So now let's contrast, right? Go to 15. Here we are again. We start out with these questions. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, does not put out his money at interest, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. As I mentioned earlier, you know, the tone of chapter 15 is a complete inverse of chapter 14, right? Do you guys see that? Compare and contrast, right? We saw the wicked, the ungodly, that's how they roll. Now we see, you know, those who have given their lives, like the godly, those who, um, you know, are under the lordship of, of Jesus, you know, for us now, or back then, you know, God, you know, those who've given 
um, you know, that lordship and that title to God. Um, so we kind of see uh, a list of attributes and characteristics um, of the of the righteous now. Um, you know, he starts off again. It's like, hey, Lord, he has these questions. Who shall sojourn in your tabernacle or your tent, right? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? So what's going on here is like David's longing to abide in the tabernacle or tent is the desire to abide in the presence of God. That's what he's ultimately longing, right? He's longing to be in the presence um, of his God. That's, that's, what, that's what he's asking here when he asks these questions. David has in mind the life that lives in the presence of God, who walks in close fellowship with God. This is a complete stark contrast to what we read in the previous chapter, right? They want nothing to do with God. Like they did all these other things. They even declared with their heart like they, that there is no God. But this is the complete opposite, right? And this is what you know is going through David's mind right now in his heart. So let's look at the characteristics of one who can come before God. It says here, walks blamelessly, does what's right, speaks truth in his heart, does not slander with his tongue, does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. So it says here that he who does these things shall never be moved. That's a pretty cool list, right? I mean, like, hey, like when you're walking with the Lord, like I'm hoping like these are attributes and characteristics that you have within yourself, right? As God has worked these things out in your life. But if we take an honest assessment of ourselves after reading this list, like I'm sure you as well as I are probably found guilty to not fulfilling many parts of this, right? Um, in different times of our lives. Let's be honest here, right? Right. So there's a great place to understand and remind ourselves of the context of when this was written and who it was written by. So David, in his lifetime, right, during his covenant. So this is a great place to kind of understand the context of what's going on here because of this list. So... David had written this during the time of the Old Covenant, right? So the Old Covenant, it gave an important place to sacrifice and atonement through blood. Um, it was also um, based, um, it was also based blessing and cursing um, on obedience. Like if, if you're not following God, you're going to get cursed. You're going to get wrecked. But if you're following God, you're getting blessed, Right. So this is what's going on here. This is the context of what's of what he wrote. So this so this disobedient cannot expect blessing. Like one who's being disobedient cannot expect blessing, including you know the blessing of being in God's presence. But in the new covenant, right? So here we go again. Like we have the ability to read this with the eyes of understanding what's been done for us, right? On the other side of the cross, right? Whew. Other side. So now in the new covenant. We have a different ground for blessing and relationship with God. It is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. And under the new covenant, it is faith, not performance, that is the basis for blessing. Right? It's faith, not performance. So we could look at this list and be like, yeah, hey, I, I failed in a, in a couple of these, these areas. 
But because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and how his righteousness has been imputed towards us, that doesn't that doesn't really like have um, any weight to it anymore. All it is now is just our faith in Jesus and being surrendered to Jesus. You guys get me? Right. So remember that at the end it said, he who does these things shall never be moved, right? So now because of our faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done for us, we have the assurity. So this is a benefit. This is a blessing now that we have, right? So once again, in the old covenant, the blessing was contingent upon your obedience to the law. In the new covenant, we have this promise now of security to those who abide in Jesus. That's rad. Amen? Cool. I'm going to get to the last psalm, and then we're going to close. Ha-ha. You guys still awake? All right. <laughs> so, chapter 16. A mictam of David. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just see Brandon and Daniel here. There's something we do on staff, and we talk to each other like we're the... Uh, we're like the movie uh, uh, trailer guy. Like, hey, brother, how are you today? I don't know. I don't know what is in front of me, but I trust in God. You know, <laughs> I don't know why we do that, but it's fun. It's, it's really fun. So, chapter 16, a miktam of David. Um, does anybody here know what a miktam is? Uh, anyone? Take a guess. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm sorry. A rhyming scheme, rhyming scheme? It, possibly. Um, I mean, I have no idea, but <laughs> actually, I do kind of have an idea. <laughs> so, in the Hebrew miktam, like the commentators, like kind of go two ways on what a miktam is. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it properly. Um, one is to cover one's lips right? Like it's a secret. Um, and so during this time that this Psalm was written, it was during a time when David was kind of, you know, like running for his life. And so in the sense of like, Hey, it was like a secret. So this was like a thing that he wrote like in the privacy, you know, in the secrecy of, you know, just him being with the Lord. The other is, it means something golden, golden, right? Um, in my previous, um, career, uh, I, you know, I dealt, I dealt with a lot of music and working with a lot of different artists, you know, and a lot of artists, like, they're always, like, hitting, you know, and working to try to get that gold record, right? So I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. A Mictam of David. Like, it's a, it's one of David's golden hits, right? Boom, boom. <laughs> These are songs. Remember, we're talking about songs. Okay, please tell me somebody got that. Jesus' name. All right. <laughs> okay. So, Mictam. So, hey, you could choose which one you want to run with. I run with Golden. Okay? Once again, just dropping knowledge. 2022. We out here. Chapter 16. A Mictam. <laughs> preserve me oh god for in you i take refuge i say to the lord you are my lord i have no good apart from you as for the saints in the land they are the excellent ones in whom all my delight 
The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Verse seven, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Or in some um, other... uh, Translations, it says, in the night seasons also my heart instructs me. Verse eight, I have set the Lord always before me because he is, at, he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's it, guys. Good night. I'm out. No, just kidding. What a beautiful psalm. This, is, this has got to be one of my favorite psalms, if not the favorite psalm um, of mine. Um, and so here we go again. You know, we talked about those up and down valleys. Here's another psalm. Like, we just went from, like, despair to the wicked triumphing, but we know their ultimate end to the characteristics you know, of the holy ones, the righteous ones. And now here it, here it is again. He's hitting this valley. Um, you could tell. Like it says, I, I see, he's, he's distressed about something, right? Because he's saying, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Right? Um, when we're singing and we're leading worship, sometimes there's, there's, there's songs I, I really feel that the Holy Spirit is impressing upon my heart to play that night. And sometimes... Um, you know, like it just hits right. And and we could see when it hits the people, like when we're singing these lyrics. And so I always encourage, like, I'm, I mean, you guys have been in church. I always encourage the, the congregation at times, like, hey, like sing to your soul, preach to your soul. So this is what David's doing in this time of peril right now. He's preaching to his soul, right? He's singing to his soul. He's reminding his soul of who his God is, right? So he's saying, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So he's preaching to his soul right now during this time of peril and distress, saying, you're my Lord. Like, you you are Yahweh. You, you are my king, I have no good apart from you. Everything good in his life, it, 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 everything good in his life has come from God, right? And all the good that he receives and all the blessings that he's received in his life has come from God. It comes with God, right? And so, so he's, he's preaching to his soul. He's reminding his soul like, all right, there's that spiritual habit again, remember, of taking that, that issue, that, that thing, and bringing it to God immediately, right? Th- that's what we see he's doing there. And then once he does that, this is the second um, spiritual habit that we should, we should really try to incorporate into our lives is reminding our souls and our spirit of who God is, right? He is our Lord, He's our savior. He is our master. He is our Messiah. He is our refuge. Amen, somebody? Right, okay, so he's doing that. He's speaking to his soul. He's, he's reminding his soul of who his God is, right? All the good in my life, it, it all comes from you, God. There's nothing good in my life that 
doesn't come from you. All the good in my life comes from you. He goes on verse three. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Man, sometimes like I trip out with the church nowadays because we show up to church, you know, and we all love the Lord and we all profess to love the Lord, but then there are those people in church that we just try to avoid, right? Anyone? Come on, you can be honest. The Lord knows. <laughs> right? There, let's just say there are, those, there are those in the family of God that really kind of push our buttons, you know? <laughs> and, and that's all right. That's okay. Like, but here we see David, he's delighting, right? He's delighting in those people. Like, what, what does it say here? As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And we know, we know that not everyone is perfect. No one is perfect. Jesus is perfect, right? And how great is it to be able to have that bond of unity with each other because our greatest passion and our greatest love and our greatest desire is Jesus. So even those people, even those people that are hard to be around maybe at times or seasons or difficult and you want to try to avoid them, like, hey, man, like, that's your people, right? You gotta, we, we got to learn how to love those people. And maybe this is an exercise that, an ex- exhortation that we need to run with, um, is learn how to love those people, right? Let's put our pride down. Let's put our ego down. Their greatest passion and desire is your greatest passion and desire. Jesus, right? So why should we be hating on each other, right? I I told my team um, a few weeks ago, we had a worship team ministry. I said, hey, guys, like, we got to fight for each other, not with each other. Because the enemy is going to do whatever he can to bring division within the church and the body. And when there's division, man, there's button of heads. And then, hey, man, you got beef? Where are you from? You got beef? I'm from, you know, Calvary Chapel. Ah. Yeah, it's like, no, like, we don't need that. We don't, we don't need that. Um, we don't need that in the church. We don't need to bring the streets in the church, as my, as my brother Brendan McPeak would say. We don't need to do that. Why don't you do, we, we have to learn how to delight in the saints, Right? So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's learn how to do that. Let's keep going. Verse four, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. This is how steady David is in declaring who the Lord is and who his God is, that he is not even going to partake. Hmm. He is not going to partake of drink offerings to other gods or pour out drink offerings to other gods or even take the names of other gods on his lips. Verse five. Well, man, I could have gone deeper on four, but I need, I need to get you guys out of here. V- verse five. The Lord is my cho- chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. So here, you get, here he is again. He's speaking to his soul. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. David was a king. He could have had anything, right? At one point in his life. The other point of his life, he was the youngest brother of all the other brothers. So there's no chance of him having any kind of inheritance, right? But 
his inheritance and his heart, his greatest treasure was God. So he says, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. Lot is another word for life. You hold my life. God, you are my greatest treasure. You are my cup, my portion, and you hold my life in your hands. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. There it is, man. He's stoked. He's happy. The lines have fallen for him in pleasant places. He's not talking about geographically here, guys. Those lines that have fallen for him are the boundaries of God's grace and love that protect us. Yeah? So that's what he's talking about here. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. It says, continue, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night or night seasons. Also, my heart instructs me. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. You need counsel? You need wisdom? What does it say in James? Somebody ask. Right. Man, who better to ask? Remember, don't, don't Google. Don't go to Wiki. <laughs> Take that to God. Ask God for counsel. You need wisdom or counsel? Go to the one who knows everything. <laughs> the one who crafted our bodies, who set all the things even down to the cellular structure in our bodies to like to work together. Like ask him. He knows it all. Bring those things to him. So it's, he's saying here, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel and in the night seasons also my heart instructs me. So this to me says that he has spent time receiving wisdom and counsel from God in the past. And now because of that wisdom, he like even in the night seasons and even in the seasons where uh, we're deep in the valley, like his heart is instructing him because we've, he's filled his heart with wisdom and counsel from God. Guys, we have an opportunity to fill our heart and counsel and wisdom from God. It's right here. It's in your Bible, right? Cool, let's keep going. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is in my right hand, I shall not be shaken. He set the Lord before him. Matthew six thirty three. Somebody say it. Seek ye the and... Amen. Man, you guys do read your Bible. Let's go. <laughs> I've set the Lord always before me, right? So therefore, so I'm sorry. I've set the Lord always before me. So setting, he set the Lord before him, before anything, before his desires, his passions, his wants, his job, um, you know, before work, everything. He set God before him. That's another spiritual habit that we can run with. And because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Remember the problem he was having at the beginning? He was, he was definitely weighed down about something. This is the pivot. This is the pivot. This is where it changes. This is where his, um, his heart and his mind and all the feelings and the emotions that he was going through has changed. And now it pivots. Now he's glad. He says, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. So what he was talking about, guys, right there was death. He was afraid of death. That was the issue at the beginning. Something he was afraid of, it was death. But because of spending time with God, receiving counsel, receiving wisdom from God, and his heart instructing him with those words and that counsel and that wisdom, it's, it's pivoted. His, his whole thinking and his mindset. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, no, that's right. Because God told me I'm going to be all right. God told me he's going to protect me, right? 
So that's what he's talking about here. Therefore, my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, and my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. That's a Christophanes right there. He's talking about, prophetically, he's talking about himself, but he's also prophetically talking about Jesus, right? Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He has made known to us the path of life. Right? We talked about that earlier. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the path of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Say it with me. The way, the truth. One more time. The way. Everybody, the way, the truth. I always wanted to do that because Brandon does that at all his shows. And that's so cool and I just wanted to do it. Sorry. Indulge. <laughs> he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. You guys are lacking joy today? Get in his presence. There's fullness of it in his presence. If you're lacking joy today, get in his presence. How do we do that? Mm. Take some time to turn off your phone, turn off the world, pray, seek God, seek his word. There's there's, there's worship worship god be a worshiper that's another spiritual habit david is a worshiper like just worship god like regardless of what the season is or what the circumstances or situations you're dealing with just worship god man worship really has a has a has a powerful impact to to help that pivot that mindset right when we take our focus off the problem and we set our focus on the king of kings right so Ooh, here we go. So a few questions to ask as we close. Like, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> How's this supposed to help me? One, we're all believers here, right? And we're all under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yes? Okay. Two, we believe in the inerrant word of God, right? And and how it is, um, as somebody would say it, it is our... Um, guideline for living our life, right? It's a plumb line that keeps us in line with God and keeps us vertical as we are moving forward in this life, right? So in Romans 15.3, regarding the word, it says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This is where we get our hope, yeah? This is where we get our hope. It says that right there, Romans 15, 3. That's where we get our hope, through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. So as we're reading this, like this is what it has to do, guys. Like this is where we get our hope, right? Like the, the, um, the feeling of wanting something to be done, right? Like that hope. It's like hope when we're, when we're in our dark times, when we're, in, when we're in the, you know, just the lowest of lows. Like this is where we can get our hope, guys. As believers, not only are we surrendered to the Lordship, but we are surrendered to his inerrant word. It says plainly here that these things were written for our instruction through endurance and encouragement of scriptures. We have hope. Hope is developed in our time in God's word. I'm going to say that one more time really loud. Hope is developed in our time in God's word. Where is hope developed? Good. So more than ever, 
in our time in life, we need hope. Everything going on, right? We need hope. And where do we get that hope? We get that hope in God's word. So just as we briefly read through the ups and downs of the life of David, we can also expect that our lives will be the same. For some reason, there is a huge delusion amongst the world that Christians have this easy-go-lucky lifestyle and we just get to cruise through life. Like That is absolutely false. In the oldest book of the Bible, in Job 5, verse 7, it says, but man is born into trouble as sparks fly upward. Like this is a part of living in a fallen world. Like this, this is the reality. Like we're gonna go through these things, right? Like we're gonna go through these things. Jesus himself said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah? In James, James 1, 2, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. So when we meet trials, not if, we are going to meet trials. And, and that word various, it means like multicolored, multivarious. In the, in the Hebrew language, it actually talks about the various kinds of, of um, different plants. You know, like there, there are millions of different kinds of plants. Like you, you walk into the, the rainforest of South America, I mean, there are millions of different varieties of plants. So these are the kind of trials that we're gonna, that we're gonna have to deal with, right? And, and we're, 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 we're to count it all joy when we meet these kinds of trials. So one, it's like we, we meet these trials because we live in a fallen world and they're, they're gonna be trials that are corrective trials. Um, they're, you know, like when you're, when you're walking away or walking astray from God, he's, he's gonna bring trials into your life. They're gonna correct you. I believe it is in Psalm 119.65. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray now I love and obey your commandments. Corrective trial. There's going to be constructive, constructive trials. Trials that are going to refine us, like we talked about at the very beginning. Those trials that are refining and working out what we believe, our faith. Rubber meets the road faith, right? Like those are the trials that are going to build us up, right? Which leads me to Romans. So not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, produces character, character produces hope. There's that word again, wow. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what does this do with me or have to do with, with me? He's, he's doing something within us to build character, right? To build hope within us, to work out our faith muscles, right? That we talked about. So what does this have to do with me? Well, we are all a part of the body of Christ. Um, and we all are going through different trials. And imagine this. If you take a hard-boiled egg, or I'm sorry, you take a normal egg and you want to hard-boil it, right? You, you put it in the pot, you know, you turn up the pot so it's boiling, so it, so it cooks, right? So it's hard. If you take that egg halfway through that process, what do you get? Anybody? It's not a trick question. Yeah, a huge mess, right? It's not going to be completely formed or hardened, right? Right? It, 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 it's, it's not going to be formed or hardened. So let's liken that to the life of the Christian, our life, the trials that we go through. 
a lot of times it's easy. Lord, just take me out of this trial. Take me out of this thing. Like, I don't want to deal with this. Where are you? You've abandoned me. I don't hear from you. Sounds familiar, right? Like, if he takes us out of those trials and those situations and it's not fully developed, it's just going to be a big mess. But let me encourage you to stay in there, to stay in that situation, to stay in that trial and change your prayer. Change your prayer to God. Give me a revelation of you that I've, or an attribute of you that I've yet to understand or see in my life. I know that you're gonna teach me something through this and I'm gonna come out for the better and knowing you better through this, right? And this is why, 2 Corinthians chapter one, that we can comfort those ourselves have been comforted with. So my exhortation to leave you guys, this is why. This is why we go through these things. There's, there's, there's refinement. There's the working out of our faith, working out of our Christian walk. There are the corrective trials. There are the constructive trials. But all of that, all of that is so that we, that we can link our shields together while we're here on this earth, while God has us here, to be able to encourage one another, to minister to each other, to lift each other up through these times. Oh, man. I just pray, and, and I would pray for grace. I would pray for grace because his grace is sufficient. Amen? And in those times, it, it, it totally is sufficient. Um, wow. I'm just thinking about the faithfulness of God in my life and um, the things that I went through. Blindness for three years. <laughs> autoimmune disease in 2017 that almost killed me. A lot of people in church didn't know. Almost killed me. I lost 70 pounds in three months. Um, I still live with that disease today, but God healed my body. But check this out. Um, if anybody asks me about those situations, man, it is a great opportunity to testify about my King and my Savior. So when we praying and begging God to take us out of these things. Guys, we are prematurely taking ourselves out from an opportunity to be able to witness and to minister to a fellow brother or sister that might be going to, through a similar um, you know, trial. So let that work. As James says, let it be done till it's perfect so that we wouldn't be lacking in nothing. And that's what it has to do with us, guys. That's, that's, that's what it has to do. That's, that's what this has to do with us right now. Like that, That's our charge. As ambassadors, as the hands of feet of Christ, this is why we go through these things, right? Remember we talked about that balance, right? And that balance is Jesus. So let him be your strength. God is here. God is present. He is your refuge. Allow him to do that work no matter how difficult the season may get. And if it is difficult, this is the beauty about the body of Christ. We, aren't, we don't have to go through this alone. We can link our shields together, right? And not fight with each other, but fight for each other.